Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. If we haven't met before, my name is Chris and I had the privilege actually last year to, to be at summer camp as well and obviously come on Sunday and minister. And um, I remember that weekend I spent uh, just one lunch with Pastor Ken that changed my life. Um, we were in a season where we'd just taken on our campus, um, part, of, part of City Point and um, we've been sent out to lead our campus. And we were a few months into it. And just where our campus was at and being a young leader, a young pastor, um, sitting with him with his wisdom, his impartation, and what he was able to bring into my world, I can now look back across 2023 and that whole year. And I can pinpoint it to that lunch with him, change the trajectory of our church, our life, our marriage, to the point now next month, we're launching two services in our church and expanding to what God's doing. So you need to know you have amazing pastors, amazing leaders. If you're new here today and it's like, hey, this is my first time. I don't know what this whole deal's about. Why are there so many young people here? Um, you need to know that you found yourself in the best church in the country. Uh, go no further, get locked in, get planted uh, and just see your life embedded into the community. I promise you'll be better uh, for it, which is incredible. But um, hey, why don't you spin around, say hi to someone, sit down while you do it. Amazing. Well, it's been a huge privilege to be with you the last couple of days at Nation Summer Camp uh, with all of our campuses uh, there at Summer Camp and just seeing God do amazing things. I know for me, um, I feel like I'm leaving more blessed than when I came. Um, there was just some divine moments for myself as well, just in the presence of God and all He did. And um, as Pastor Matt was saying before as well, we just want to thank every parent, every sponsor, every staff member, exec team, pastors, but just forging the way, making the way, churning the soil for the next generation. So as the seed of God goes into that soil, it reaps a harvest because I am a benefactor of it as well, of what we've seen God do over the last couple of days. It really has been supernatural. And we just want to thank you for that. If you don't know about me or a little bit about my story, um, I grew up as a, a young person, a part of City Point Church there in Brisbane. We have six campuses in Brisbane and 11 around the world. Um, we grew up very much in the youth and young adult space. So over you know, 15 odd years, we served and led in youth and young adult ministry. And, um, myself and my wife, um, and just saw really a, a move of God in our city through our young people. Uh, just seen signs, miracles and wonders break out in high school campuses right across our city. Just a significant move of God as thousands of young people came to Christ, seeing our youth camp grow to over 1,200 young people and really just a move of God, not only in our city, but across the state of Queensland. And in the, since 2022, uh, we got sent out to the north side of Brisbane. If you're from Brisbane or you know Brisbane, essentially our city is divided by a river. It's the south side and the north side. Um, I've been a south side kid my whole life. And then I got sent to the promised land on the north side. Um, and now I've found out the glory is on the other side of the river. Um, which up until then, there was a bit of gang wars and all that kind of stuff, a bit of banter happening between the south side and north side. But we've now moved to the north side. And, and like I was sharing before, God's doing a work in our church um, and what He's building. Uh, we're, we're in those formative years of what He's laying the foundation, but already we can see what He's doing. And, and uh, yeah, we're expanding and going to two services next month. And um, our car park's too full. The kids' ministry's too full. The, we can't fit people in the room. And uh, it's just amazing to see what God's doing. So we're thankful for that. We're excited for God to continue to bring revival through our church, and, uh, which is amazing. I have a uh, beautiful photo of my family. I don't know if it's on the screen. Uh, this is my um, beautiful wife here. Um, so her name's Shannon. We've been married this year. will be nine years 
And uh, my little girl here, our eldest, she will be five this year. She's actually starting school tomorrow. Um, and if for any of the, the dads in the room, um, who maybe are especially uh, uh, have daughters, um, I've seen her in a school uniform and I'm just like a hot mess. I just bawl my eyes out. She's growing up way too quick. Um, I'm already like visualising her at 15 and I'm like buying a gun. Like it's too, it's too intense. Like... Um, I'm like, she's just way too pretty for her own good. So stop being so pretty, you know. So um, there's, our, there's our eldest. She's going to school tomorrow, uh, which I'm excited to and hugely honoured to be able to preach here today and be trusted by your pastors with your platform. But I'm excited to be able to fly home straight after the service tonight as well, to be able to get home for her first day of school, which would be awesome. And there's our youngest, which this time last year, when we were with you, my wife was heavily pregnant. And literally a few weeks after I landed back in Brisbane, uh, we gave, uh, Shannon gave birth to our little girl, Nova Rain, um, who was born in February uh, last year. So um, uh, she'll be turning one soon, which is crazy, um, which is so, so good. So this is my beautiful family. Uh, my wife is, was born in Australia, but she does have uh, Burmese descent and, and her family migrated to Australia. And um, it's just a huge privilege um, and to be trusted and, and just have a beautiful family. So that's my story. That's a bit about me, but excited for the word today. I'm excited to preach the word and um, I want to encourage you, hey, let's not be the kind of church that allows the faith in the room to only be in this section. Um, I desire that if I preach over here, we're going to feel a bit of faith as well because I kind of, there's something in me that gets drawn towards faith. So if you find me wandering over here, you can tell like this, just start feeling bad about yourselves. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. The title of my message is Doorway to the Impossible. Doorway to the to the impossible. Now, if you've lived a little bit, just a, a little bit of life, you would know life is full of seasons. Life's full of valleys and mountains. It's full of high moments and low moments. It's full of moments where it feels like all the doors are open, that we could declare the miracles of God, the breakthrough of God, the, the windows of heaven are open over our life. And, and sometimes a turn happens and we feel like doors are closing that everything's going around, like I'm breaking around us, that all of hell is breaking loose around us, that different things are taking place in a world. There are seasons that doors feel like they're flying open and then it feels like there's seasons where doors are closing. There's some seasons where you may have walked through where it feels like there was a didn't see it coming type door or like a, oh, that came out of nowhere type door. But there's other seasons where it feels like, man, this door was strategic, this was planned, this was positioned. We knew exactly when this door was open because of what we're building towards what God wanted to do in our life. But life is full of seasons. And maybe for some of you, you've come in to 2024 and you've been in that spot where you're even asking the question, you're saying, God, why isn't this door opening? Why isn't this door opening? I've been praying, I've been interceding, I've been contending, I've been believing for God to do something through my life, maybe through my business, through my marriage, through my kids, wherever I position myself, but for whatever reason, this door doesn't seem to be opening. Well, friend, what do you need to understand, and I believe is an invitation for us as a church, as a people of God in 2024, is to realise the invitation of the Lord to step through the doorway to the impossible, to step through the realm into the impossible and believe again, have faith again. Actually believe that God would want to move in my marriage, in my family and in my kids. And I'm not meant simply to go through the motions of life, play church, be automated about my faith, but I'm meant to have a bit of vigour, a bit of vibrancy about my faith that I can actually believe Again, there's a story in the Bible where there's a man named Jairus. He was a leader in the community. Many considered him a leader in the community. And, um, 
he had a daughter which was very unwell. She wasn't just a little bit unwell, like a bit of a cold. It was a disease, a diagnosis that had been going on for 12 years. The doctors couldn't seem to, to bring health to her body. She'd been unwell for over 12 years to the point of it was now dire straits. He caught wind that Jesus was coming to town. Jesus was at a point in his ministry, his leadership, where he wasn't simply rolling into town and it was kind of just like he'd roll in and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. He was at a point in his ministry where his renown and his fame had begun to grow. So whenever he stepped into a town, the crowds would gather around him just to get a glimpse of him, just to hear him speak, just to get a touch of him, just to experience miracles in their body. So as he came into town, it wasn't a case of him just walking in and Jairus coming up to him. No, the crowd started building around him. But Jairus was able to get to him and ask, hey, Jesus, uh, my daughter's been unwell. Can you come and can you pray for her? Can you come to my house today and can you pray for her? And, and, and Jesus responded, of course I can, let's go. And as they start making their way to in that moment for them to step through the doorway to the impossible for their reality, in that moment, a interception moment takes place. There was a woman in the Scripture in Luke 8 who had been going through her own journey. And we land here today in Luke 8 verse 42 and it says this, while he was going, this is Jesus, the crowds were nearly crushing him. They were pressing up against him. A woman suffering with bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any, approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Jesus responded, no, no, someone did touch me. I know that the power is gone from me when the woman... And then when the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all people, she declared the reason that she touched him and how she was instantly healed. Verse 48, daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Your faith has saved you, go in peace. Here is a moment where the crowds are pressing against Jesus. You've got to understand that this woman with the issue of blood been journeyed for 12 years. The scriptures say, which we just read, she had spent all she had, all of her finances, every last dime to be able to try and bring healing to her world, health to her world, stop the bleeding. She'd gone to the doctors. She'd gone to the health physicians. She'd gone to everyone she could. She'd spent all that she had to bring healing to her world. What you also got to understand is this wasn't simply just a diagnosis that was a personal issue to her. This would have been seen within the Jewish culture of the day. It would have seen her as a reject, an outcast, even declared as unclean in her generation and pushed out of the community. So for her, for 12 years, it wasn't just wrestling with a physical ailment. She would have been wrestling with emotional trauma of rejection, isolation, being an outcast, being totally pushed away to the fact of all of that rejection that she would have projected on people of men. Everyone else rejects me. I'm sure Jesus is going to reject me. I've never seen a miracle as if I'm going to see a miracle through Him. Every emotion, every feeling would have been rising up within her to not push past the crowd and go to Jesus. And here's Peter's after Jesus asked, man, someone just touched me. And here's Peter's response saying, Jesus, there is like a whole bunch of people touching you right now. There is like a crowd pressing up. You are being hemmed in. We're like getting squished in. There's people pushing against you. What do you mean someone touched you? I could, I could point at 100 people right now who's touched you. What do you mean? And he said, no, 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 someone 
touch me. I felt the power leave me. Friend, this is a deep word for us as a church in 2024. This is an invitation for us to realize that Jesus is saying, just because you find yourself on a Sunday morning a part of the crowd, there's a difference between being in the room and beholding His face. There's a difference between being here on a Sunday and coming with expectation in your heart, believing I'm going to reach out and touch the hem of His garment every single Sunday. There's a difference between being a part of the crowd hemming up against Jesus and actually being in the slipstream of the fruit of the house rather than actually having fruit born from your life. Oftentimes when we're a part of a church like this, it'd be New Year today, you need to know you're a part of a move of God. This is not normal. This is rare. This is exceptional. This is brilliant. This is the move of God of what God is doing in Nations Church right here in the city of Perth and across the nations of the world that what is coming out of this house, the nations will know about. You find yourself in a church that people would be envious to be a part of. You find yourself here and yet you could be one who is hemming up against Jesus because there's fruit around you in the house. You feel like your life's fruitful. Rather than realising, oh, hang on, I don't have fruit. The house has fruit. Because I'm hemming against Jesus, but I'm actually not touching the hem of His garment. I'm in the crowd, but I'm not getting desperate. I'm not getting hungry. I'm not believing if God touched them, He can touch me. If He's a miracle worker, He's a miracle worker for me. If He can bring breakthrough for them, He can bring breakthrough for me. But I want to position my life with expectation. And this is what, you, this, is what this woman did. She came with this hunger to step through the doorway to the impossible. Smith Wigworth says like this, I can get more out of God by believing Him for one minute and shouting at Him all night. You know, we've never been called to simply manage mountains. We've been called to move them. God hasn't called us to scientifically, theologically, logically explain away why the mountain exists. He hasn't called us to articulate, oh, this mountain's in my season right now because God's teaching me something. Or theologically, let me try and bend a scripture and make it work into explain away why this is happening in my life. No, no, no. God hasn't called us to simply manage, tolerate and settle for the mountains in our world. He's called for a generation, a church and a people of God to be raised up as mountain movers, as giant slayers. They are the head and not the tail. They are overcomers. They walk as anointed. They walk as favoured. They walk with the presence of God on their life that wherever they go, they don't just begin to whinge and complain about their mountains. They begin to speak to their mountains. They begin to walk with the authority of Christ with dead raising power, alive on the inside of them when a mountain tries to raise up against them. They know who lives on the inside of them. And they walk this way. And this was this woman, desperate, desperate to the point of not caring what people think. Even the point of having that issue. For her to push past the crowd would have been illegal culturally because she wasn't allowed to touch people. But she was so desperate, she didn't care what people think. And that desperation pulled down the power of God. Here's Jesus walking towards the doorway to the impossible at Jairus' house and an interception takes place and a miracle breaks out. You know, we've had the amazing privilege, uh, myself and my wife, to yeah, just see incredible miracles throughout time and uh, through, through youth ministry, young adult ministry and also in our church, just even in the last 18 months or two years being a part of our campus, just seeing God do amazing things supernaturally and 
Um, had the huge privilege as well to be able to travel right around Australia and around the nations of the world, preaching the gospel and just seeing thousands of miracles take place and, and people responding to God and just, just hugely humbled, hugely humbled. I feel like every time I ever get the privilege to preach, I come with fear and trembling and humility of what God wants to do. And I'm, I'm wildly humbled by it, wildly humbled by it. But I remember this one time we had this young girl and we were in a meeting and uh, she had an autoimmune disease. Um, an autoimmune disease to the point where she had, um, she could barely stand. It was excruciating pain through her body. The disease of what it was calling, she was often wheelchair bound. She couldn't ever stand. Occasionally she'd be able to stand up for a little bit, but the pain was too much. She'd have to sit down again. And she had come along to the meeting and she was sitting uh, near the front. And we, we actually came over and we decided to pray with her and stand with her and believe that God would heal her. And right there as she was sitting there, she felt what she described to be almost like lightning come through and shoot through the top of her head and shoot through her body and almost felt like the disease shot out of her body. After that moment, straight away, she felt the power restored to her body. She stood up and started running around the auditorium doing laps totally pain-free. You know, years later to this day, she's been declared by doctors and the doctors report that there is no autoimmune disease in her body anymore. She's been totally healed by the power of God. Can we give praise to Jesus? He still works miracles. We have this other young man. This was, a, this was a radical one. Like even as I share this story, my flesh wants to reject it because it stretches my face so much. And oftentimes we hear miracles and stories and our spirit goes, yes and amen. But our flesh goes, nah, I don't know. Is that a thing? Is he, is he botching this story from Brizzy? Like, this story, I remember, I remember this one guy, he had uh, quite severe eczema. So it was like kind of head to toe to the point where it was quite severe cuts. Like almost looked like cuts, should I say. But they were quite deep. They were, they were almost like wounds, like head to toe. Quite severe eczema, head to toe. And, we were praying for him, a group of us, during, just during a, during a service, and, um, just at our church. And as we were praying for him, all of us saw at the same time, all of the, all of the wounds begin to glow. And as they began to glow, they started to close up in front of our eyes and completely disappear. And then he was totally healed from head to toe. All of the eczema left his body in that moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friend, can I tell you in 2024, this is your year to believe again, have faith again, step through the doorway of the impossible and say, man, I'm not just going to dip my toe every now and then. I'm going to live in the realm of the impossible. I'm just going to come and go occasionally. Father, I want to live there. I want to live in that realm. Believing, being the crazy radical one that actually has faith to change the world. Believe that God could do it in our generation. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5 says this. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Someone say power. So that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. The church for far too long has based their faith on human wisdom, has based their faith on good services, has based their faith on LED screens, has based their faith 
on a consumer culture idea of church life rather than the power of God. That this is a move of God, what you're a part of. What God is doing in your church is significant, it's profound and it's evident. It is only by the power of God that this could be taking place. It is only by Him that this could be taking place in your city and through the nations of the world. But oftentimes we try and um, articulate it away through human wisdom and undermine it and pull it down and carry a cynical spirit where we judge it and we be cynical of certain things rather than honouring what God is doing in our midst. And for me, I know I know a long time ago when I was a young preacher, I know for some of you, you're like, you're still a young preacher, but a younger preacher, younger than I am now, last week. <laughs> I know God just deeply convicted me and he said to me many years ago, he said to me, Chris, I never want you to tell people about me. I want you to introduce me. It was never meant to just be a, let me convince you and articulate in a, in a smart way of how to win you over. There will be intellectual, beautifully profound, theological discussions, apologetic type discussions that are needed they're required and they're beautiful with our soul and can build us up and edify us. I'm not undermining any of that or throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But friend, what I'm trying to say is often our intellect gets, away, gets in the way of what God wants to do in our life because we try and box God. We put Him in some religious box or control Him over here or say what He can and can't do because we feel justified by certain history or case studies that say, oh, I prayed once and it didn't work, or I prayed for this and I didn't get healed, or this time. So we have case studies or history in our life to prove away why God wouldn't move in our life rather than realizing, although I may have case studies or examples where He hasn't moved, my life isn't built off my experience. My life is built off the Word of God. And the Word of God says He's Jehovah Rapha, that He still wants to heal. He still wants to bring breakthrough. My body, soul, and spirit. He still wants to restore my marriage. He still wants to bring provision to my business. He still wants to bring my prodigal children home. He still wants to do it. There's this great quote says it like this, when the high point of Christian celebration is the fact that we have done something that is humanly possible, something that we can do without God, no matter how noble it is, then we are at a real low point in Christian manifestation and demonstration. Our assignment, your assignment, your marriage's assignment, your children's assignment, the assignment of everyone who believes. Our church's assignment, every campus's assignment, is to invade the impossible. Those things that cannot be accomplished without God. You know, sometimes, you know, and I've probably been guilty of this, you'll hear preachers say or people teach and say, God will never give you something you can't handle. What a lie! What a lie! I can tell you. I can tell you a few things he gave me I couldn't handle. I can tell you, I could roll out the scroll. I could just roll out the scroll. There's a lot of things that he gave me. I'm like, I cannot handle that. I'll tell you that much. The reason is, is because God wants to do that to invite you in to know what's possible, what's impossible. He's saying, I want you to invade the impossible. So there might be things in your season right now that feel weighty, burdensome. Like, man, I can't even carry the weight of this. Jesus is looking at you and saying, I've never called you to carry the weight of it. I need you to step through the doorway of the impossible and watch God work in your lifetime. Rather than going, man, I can't handle this. God said, I'm not calling you to carry it. 
that in my weakness, I am strong. That's because God comes alongside me and gives me strength in every season. Rather than trying to live this comfortable, complacent, apathetic Christianity, we're just going through the motions, being a part of the group so we feel part of it. No, I want to live on fire for God. I want to be on fire for Jesus. I don't just want to be on fire in my 20s and 30s and get in my 40s and get boring. I want to be, I want to be that old, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to say an age because I'm like, I'm not old. You know, 107 person who's, who's just still like, just a bit zealous. They tell the 107-year-old, oh, we pipe down, mate. And I'm like, nah. Not gonna do it. You know what the best thing is? Because we, we've taken on campus now, so it's just beautiful. Because you're working, obviously, with all generations. It's amazing. And, you know, so, some of the 80-year-olds in our church, God bless them. But they're just absolutely wonderful, fiery people. But also, they just do whatever the flip they want. <laughs> they just do whatever the flip they want. And then I'm like, I'm like the young pastor trying to go, okay, how do I navigate this? And then, you know, some of our team come and go, oh, like, you know, we've tried to, you know, you know so-and-so, we've tried to get them to, to, to serve in the team in this way, but... It, they not seem to kind of really get involved in what, what we want to do. I said, brother, they're 80. They can do whatever they want. They are commissioned to go. They can fly. They can build, pray for whoever they want. Just go for it. You have served your time. Go for it, brother. You have built so much history with the Lord that you just go for it. So I was like, so we're not going to try and control those people. You just absolutely go. In fact, we're not going to control anyone, obviously, but I'm just saying. Them particularly, go for it. I am telling a random story that has nothing to do with anything. But here we are, 12.03. Praise God. You know, I, um, we speak about the doors of the impossible opening our life or closing. Um, there are biblical patterns that allow doors to open or doors to close. And I could rattle off a bunch all through Scripture that things happen in our world that either open doors or they close doors. And for you, you maybe go, man, I'm, I'm wondering, why isn't this door opening? I do have faith. I do believe. I'm trying to believe to open this door. For some reason, it's not shifting. It's not open. Well, the greatest thing is we can go to the Word of God. We can look at the biblical patterns, the biblical rhythms of what opens the doors, the windows of heaven through our life. And I thought for 2024, I know there's a lot, but I'd show you in 2024, 24 things, 24 biblical patterns on what closes the door and opens the door. So can you stick with me for 24? Here we go. I'm going to rattle it up. 24 biblical patterns. What closes the door is unbelief, but what opens the door is faith. Where there's pride, there's humility. Where there's insecurities, there's security in Him. Where there's false humility, there's confidence in God. Where there's self-will, there's obedience to Him. Where there's apathy, there's passion, hunger, and zeal for Him and His church. Where there's complacency, there's a holy discontent, proactiveness and initiative. Where there's self-preservation, there's self-denial. Where there's personal agenda, there's single-minded focus on kingdom causes. Where there's evil behaviours, actions and thoughts, there's godly actions, habits, behaviours and patterns. Where there's ungodly relationships and friendships, there's kingdom-minded, church-loving, church-attending relationships and friendships. Where there's sin, there's righteousness and holiness. Where there's unreliability, there's you letting your yes be your yes. Where there's false theology, there's sound doctrine. Where there's shame, there's walking in freedom from bondage. Where there's submission to the earthly diagnosis in your body, soul, spirit or mind. There is the recognising of those labels or strongholds, but not being ruled by them. Where there's guilt, 
There's the renewal of your mind, where there's addictions, there's healthy habits and godly use of our time and our finances, where there's self-loathing, there is compassion, where there's hatred, there is love, where there's unforgiveness, there is forgiveness, where there's poverty mentality, there's a multiplication mentality, where there's hoarding an ungenerous spirit, there's living a life as a sower, as a giver, with a generous, large, expansive, kingdom-minded spirit. Well, there's work-based faith mindset. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you thankful that whenever there's a closed door, God wants to open the door? There is a way out, friend. There's a place for you to go. Not all hope is lost. You feel like it's too far gone. Friend, there's a way out. His name is Jesus. There's a way out. His name is Jesus. He is the way. If I could circle it back to... Jairus' story, if the worship team could come. Here's Jairus, probably feeling quite angsty, quite agitated and impatient. His daughter was already in dire straits, but now Jesus has been intercepted, pressed up against the crowd, which is causing delays. I said in the early service, um, you know, for example, if anyone's ever been in traffic and you really need to get somewhere, but it's like holding you back and the frustration that caused... Then I found out there's no traffic in Perth, so that wasn't a thing. So I was like, just hypothetically pretend that's happening. Um, the crowd's pressing against Jesus. Jairus is like, come on, let's go. Let's push through the crowd. Then this woman had the audacity to go, I don't care what's going on. I'm coming to Jesus. Once again, causing, yes, a miracle that we celebrate, but for Jairus, frustration. Because he's like, I need you to heal my daughter. Like, yes, okay, sure, heal her, but I'm low-key, like, I just need you to get my daughter. Now everything's being holed up. There's delay after delay after delay. And I don't know if that's you, but friend, your delay or feelings of delay doesn't result in denial. And friend, you've transitioned from going, oh, because I feel delay in my world from coming Jesus, I feel like Jesus denied my prayer request. Rather than realizing right now, the request has gone out. All of heaven has inclined its ear. Jesus Himself is the high priest we know is interceding on our behalf, which means even when you don't have the strength to pray, He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. He's covering you by His blood. He's right there with you. Even when you don't have the strength, the faith, when you feel like all hope is lost, there the great high priest, Christ Jesus, is interceding in the heavens at the right hand of the Father on behalf of us. And here He is making His way. Jairus feeling this way. He finally gets to the house. But friend, there was delay. So much delay that it had gone from the girl being unwell in dire straits. And now by the time they get their house, his daughter, the young girl, had been recognised as passed away. She was registered as death, dead. And to the point of they'd begun the ceremonial Jewish culture mourning process. Where every time someone passes away, they have a ceremony that they perform where they mourn as a ceremony towards the, towards the person who's passed away. So it wasn't like Jesus was just like five minute delay. It was the point was at the start of the, the start of the chapter. Here we have, or start of the verse, we have uh, the girl being unwell. And there was enough delay that he didn't get there in time that she'd already passed away. And they'd already started the morning process. And here it is in Matthew 9, 23 to 26. So when Jesus came to the leader's house, that's Jairus' house, he saw the flute players. Anyone getting flutes at their funerals? No, nope. Shannon wants a flute at his funeral. Good to know. Someone write that down. Someone write that down. Be obedient to your leader. He 
You saw flute players in a crowd lamenting loudly. This was the ceremonial process. It wasn't random. It wasn't just people felt in the mood to play a flute. It wasn't random. It was like this was the pro- a mourning process. They were wailing. They were singing. All of this. Jesus' response, he said in verse 24, leaf. Because this girl is not dead, but asleep. And what did they do? They laughed at him. And after the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand. The girl got up. She'd been raised from the dead. And the news of this sped throughout the whole area. Isn't it wild to me that Jesus, in this moment, in order to step through the doorway to the impossible, friend, in 2024, he's looking for hunger and he's looking for faith. And it is wild to me that Jesus would say in that moment, anyone who doesn't have faith, get out of the room. It would be me like me right now. You'd be so deeply offended and I'd never get invited back. That would be how it would work. If I said to you, hey, we're going to believe for miracles right now. If you don't have faith, get out of the room. This is literally what Jesus did. He said, those who don't have faith, get out of the room. They got literally put outside. Why? Because they laughed at Him. When He said, man, this girl ain't dead. She asleep. Friend, you got to understand, the doorway to the impossible isn't a spiritual nuanced concept up in the sky. The doorway is Jesus. So the door himself had just stepped into the room and he declared, hey, guys, no one's stressed. She's just asleep. And their response is, praise God, Jesus here, and she's only asleep. Their response was to laugh in King Jesus' face. They laughed at Him, saying, you don't know, she's dead. And I wonder what miracle God's trying to bring into your world. What breakthrough, what doorway He wants you to step through. And you're looking at Jesus right now and you're laughing at Him. Because you're saying, Jesus, I've been down this road. I can't do it again. I felt my hope rise and I get discouraged. So I can't do it again. I can't believe again. And now to the point of when King Jesus in the room, you just begin to laugh at Him. The crazy part is there are, and I believe prophetically for people here today, there are relationships that you need to remove from your room because they are robbing from the faith of your life. That there is a sleeping thing in your life that you think is dead, but Jesus is saying it's just asleep, but the people around your world are robbing from the faith of that environment and that atmosphere, and it's robbing you to step through the doorway to the impossible. Jesus wants to bring a miracle working power to your world, but you're listening to the crowd. You're listening to the people laughing at Jesus. And friend, can I just say, I believe this to the church in 2024. Jesus doesn't need a wailing church. He doesn't need a mourning church. He doesn't need one that's declaring that thing's dead. It's never gonna wake up. He needs a church that believes again, that's faith again, and says today is the day. We're gonna step through the doorway of the impossible and believe that God could do it in this hour. He could do it. When we believe again, the response is news spread throughout the whole town. And I believe prophetically over Nations Church, the miracles that are about to start breaking forth in this house, in this season, the whole city, the whole nation is about to be put on notice that Nations Church is in town, a move of God is taking place. The whole city is about to know about the miracles that are taking place through your church. The whole area. Why, when a people would join together, link arms, cause covenant family and decide that we're gonna declare that thing ain't dead, it's just asleep. That giant in our generation, it's gonna bow to the name of Jesus. That mountain in my life is gonna move in the name of Jesus. That diagnosis is gonna be healed in the name of Jesus. 
We're going to believe again. Let me end on this quote. It is abnormal for a Christian not to have an appetite to the impossible. It has been written into our spiritual DNA to hunger for the impossibilities around us, to bow to the name of Jesus. Friend, I don't know if it's been 10 years, it's been a lifetime, just like the woman with the issue of blood, the little girl, 12 years. We're not talking about someone been wrestling with six months. We're talking, this will be the year I get healed. No. This will be the year that I get healed. No. This will be the year that I get healed. No. This will be the year that we get breakthrough. No. 12 years. Most beautiful thing about Jesus is he says he doesn't, he's not asking for some big, boisterous, charismatic, blonde dude from Brisbane, yelly faith. He's asking for a mustard seed. The mustard seed moves mountains. And I feel like the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus, what they've been walking through, I feel like in that moment, they're like, man, I've tried everything, it's not working, I got no faith. But it's just a flicker causes in my heart. God will take that flicker. God will take that spark. God will take that little thing in your heart that begins to believe again and He'll blow on it with the wind of heaven. He'll pour the oil of heaven upon it and ignite a roaring fire in your life that will cause breakthrough in your world. But it's when you take that step of faith partnered with His grace and believe that He could do it. Because why? It is abnormal for us to not believe the impossible. We need to get out of the game where we're like, oh, that just happens occasionally. We should be living in the realm where every day we're believing. That what we saw at summer camp just this week wasn't just like a young person thing. It's like a 107 year old thing. It's like, you know what? Is God the same when I'm 15 and when I'm 55? Or is He a different God? Is the same power that rose Christ from the dead alive in the 15 year old and alive in the 65 year old? Or is it a different Holy Spirit? No, 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 it's the same. Dead rousing power. The step through the doorway to the impossible. Friend, you might be in dire straits, but I come to bring you hope today. There is hope. The Bible says that won't disappoint. He is the undefeated back-to-back champ of never letting anyone down. He has never let anyone down ever and He never will. He will fulfill His promise. The Word is too integrous that comes out of His mouth that if He releases it, it's gonna happen. It just requires us to prophetically partner, stay in faith and believe for God to do it. And watch what He does in our lifetime. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com. Thank you.